We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So our final topic for today's show is title contenders. Yeah. Who they are and how they stack up against past teams. Because I, I think as we look at this Notre Dame Ohio State team, I mean, I think I think they're both end of the season as title contenders, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And I think the thing that the thing that the reason I have, I think you and I have a, a, a bit of a disconnect with some of the folks in our chat who I, I do believe are understandably suffering through a little bit of BKPTSD. <laughs> is because I think they've accepted the fact that in those games, their name just wasn't good enough. And as you mentioned, there's maybe two games where you look at it and say they just weren't good enough to win that game. Yeah. It was Bama 12 and Bama 20. Right? I honestly forgot about Bama 20. Yeah. I think I just, it perfect- it's such a weird year. It was yeah. just such a strange year. I mean, yeah. you're playing the Rose Bowl in Dallas. You know, it just was a weird year. You know, Ohio State makes a playoff at, with six games. Yeah. So this is a weird year. I get it. But because Notre Dame just never showed up in those games, and I think the the difference in in games that happened in recent years compared to games like in seventeen, especially to a degree fifteen, but but I kind of feel like this team the, the the last few years have been more like that fifteen team than the seventeen team because mm-hmm. I feel like the seventeen team had a bit of a more of a fragile a fragile psyche. I just don't know if that team necessarily ever bought into as an entire unit um, that they were as good as they thought they were. Mm-hmm. The 15 team absolutely thought that they were as good as they, they were and better than they were. And I felt like, and it really started with some of those Alohi Gilman teams like that Notre Dame 18 team, part of what made Notre Dame good that year and why they kept winning games in the past years, they would have lost beating Pitt at the end, beating Virginia Tech on the road you know, coming back and winning different games, beating Michigan is because that team had a supreme confidence in itself. And a lot of it, it comes down to your leadership. Yeah. And in 18, you look at a guy like Alohi Gilman, you know, Drew Tranquil, you just around the roster. I mean, you had guys that play with a lot of confidence in themselves. And I think that was true in 20 to a degree. 
but more so in 21. And I felt like that's the big part of the reason Notre Dame won last year is because you had a lot of kids that were just like, okay, we're just better than this team. Why are we messing around with them? Let's go make plays and win this game. Right. Even though they were woefully unprepared in a lot of games to, from a coaching standpoint to, to win, they have a great deal of confidence. And I think that's why they have taken so well to Marcus Freeman and the staff is because for the first time they're being told, no, you are this good. And, and, and the whole Brian Kelly talking down the program didn't just involve recruiting, you know, and, and it was, all it was, there were always subtle things being said that like, that kind of make you're not good enough and you have to do it my way because you're not good enough to do it your way kind of thing. And I think part of the reason they've embraced Marcus Freeman so much is because from the minute he was hired as the defensive coordinator, much less the head coach, it was a, you can be great. You can be great, but you gotta, you know, you gotta trust me because I I have what it takes to show you how to be great. Right. But I believe you can be great. And and I think that's the biggest thing is <clears throat> that's why I believe that Notre Dame is a title contender this year, is because I think that they're in position where they're going to go out and get in my in my view, they're gonna have the ability to say, hey, they have the roster. I mean, look. Sporting News just came out with a all American first team and second team All American list, right? Notre Dame, Alabama had five, Ohio State had five. One of Alabama, Ohio State's five was a was a kicker, right? Which matters, but it's not a position player. Notre yeah. Dame was next with four. Only Bama had more guys on the first team. Why are we continuing to have conversation about Notre Dame not having the talent? Oh, they have an inexperienced quarterback. You know, Ohio State had a guy last year that didn't throw a single pass. And he goes out there without having ever thrown a pass college football and, and does, you know, throws for over 4,000 yards, blah, 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 Heisman, finals. You know, Bryce Young goes out there, had way less production and is a freshman than Tyler Buckner. He goes out there last year, wins a Heisman, leads him to championship, blah, 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 right? See it all the time. Why is it different than Notre Dame? Why are we saying, well, Tyler Buckner's going to need a year to get going? Oh, this guy's going to need it. Well, they're going to need time. But no, this is a transition year. No, that's BKPTSD, and I'm tired of it. Right. Now, I'm not saying they're going to beat Ohio State. But I'm saying is Notre Dame needs to, Notre Dame fans need to start looking at this team and saying, forget all this eight and four nonsense. This team's not going to go eight and four, right? This is a talented football team, and it's not us. It's not you guys are Notre Dame homers. Okay, fine. I have seen mock drafts that have at least four Notre Dame players going in the first round this year. Some have all four. Yeah. Others, it's I've seen four in different ones, and that doesn't include Blake Fisher and Joe Walt and. You know, some of the guys that we think are going to be big-time football players, Maris Lulafau, guys like Cam Hart. And so, to me, it's like you've got you've got a chance to have a dominant lines on both sides of the ball. You've got – every somehow they're just not good at receiver. you got four kids on your roster this year that were no, – you're going to have three kids on your roster this year that were top 100 recruits coming in high school wide receiver. They're arguably the best tight end in the country. you got a former top 100 player at running back. you got a former top 100 player at quarterback. And yet there's people that just don't think this team has talent. The same people that tell me stars matter are the ones saying Notre Dame doesn't have talent, right? And, and I don't understand it, right? Yeah. And so to me, that's where I kind of come from, Sean, is it's 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 just Notre Dame fans need to start doing what the players are doing. And that is the players have bought into the fact that, no, we can beat anybody. We can play with anybody. And then we got to work to get there. We got to put in work. We're not going to roll the balls out and beat Ohio State. We got to put in the work. But 
can they play with Ohio State? Yeah, this is I, – I just don't expect this to be a game where they just go out. I'm not saying they're going to beat Ohio State. If I was making a prediction right now, Sean, I'd probably say I don't think – I don't think I would predict them to beat Ohio State. But I think they're going to compete, right? And could they beat Ohio State? Yes, I think they can. And so – Well, we can say this. Ohio State better bring it. Yes, exactly, because they're they not going to roll the balls it. out and beat another name no, either. No. If they think they're right. just about to roll out there and be better. Which is what they did to Oregon and Michigan last year. Uh-huh. Right. And, and, and so, so I think, but I do think they're both title contenders. I think the other teams that we view as title contenders are Alabama, uh, Georgia, correct? Yep. Clemson, right? Uh, to a degree. I'm still not, I'm still not sold on Clemson, but I, you know, I, I look, they had one down year. They got to prove to me that, that they are what I think they are, which is a program on descent. But Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Notre Dame, I think are all title contenders this year. I think Clemson still deserves to be on there because they they do have. I mean, we love Nurem's defensive line, but it ain't Clemson's, right? I mean, Unless and they still have some players running around too, right? They, other than Alabama, they gave without a quarterback. They gave Georgia, yes, like the best game. Yeah, I mean Georgia did not score a single offensive touchdown that game. Yeah. I mean, think, think about, about it. They're only, they won 10 to three. Their only touchdown was a, uh, was uh, it a pick six or a fumble six. return? I, I couldn't remember which one it was. Yeah. It was a pick six. Yeah. Yeah. But it was a defensive touchdown. Yeah. And to, to your point, and, and yeah, I mean, their, their, their defense is going to be really good. Really good. There's no question about it. Sean, any, as you look at this, here, here's, here's part of the reason too that I, that I look at this Notre Dame team. And, and honestly, I look at Ohio State this way. I I actually think you can make a case, and some people are going to disagree with me. I think you can make a case. Like, I think Notre Dame can play with Ohio State. I've made that very clear. But I, if Ohio State does improve on defense this year, I do think they have a chance by the end of the year to be, uh, like, arguably the best team in college football by the end of the year. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. 
Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Well, Jim Knowles <laughs> is either going to be heaven sent or just a continuation of right. what has been. Uh, I can tell you wholeheartedly, just listening to Ohio State people, Oh yeah, they're going to be playing a three-three-five, mm-hmm. which is going to be very interesting in that first game. Yeah, very interesting. And I wonder I, if some of that's a smokescreen. Hey, either way, because he wasn't doing that in past years. No, no. Number one, they're they're front seven. They're talented, but they're very young and they're thin. Yeah, and they're and they're not great at linebacker. I don't care no. anyways. Any no. Ohio State fans can come at me with all that. Their linebacking core. Blah, no. blah, 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 blah. No. 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 But that, that front, defensively, very talented. Mm-hmm. But young. Right? Mm-hmm. But then, an unproven. Offensive line. Okay. Like, right. Notre Dame should be able to win the battle in the trenches. Right. In this game. Right. Now, when you go outside to the skill positions, Notre Dame has to hold up. Right. They have to hold up. We're right. not asking them to lock down the wide receivers for Ohio State. We're asking you to compete, hold up, and when you get the opportunity to make a play, make a play. Your defense, your defensive line is should be impactful enough that if you can just cause the quarterback to hold the ball that extra second mm-hmm. to a second and a half, right. now you start to see the impact on the game. So right. it goes back to what you said. It's not so much about – <laughs> you know, the narrative and what people think. Stars, because if you look at the stars, most people would say, okay, Ohio State has more five stars, more five, four stars. Sure. Eh, all of that. How how are football games won? Where do right. they start at? Right. In the trenches, right? Still. Still. Still yeah. to this day. And Notre Dame has the advantage in the trenches. Right. Should if you talk to most football people that are unbiased, they will admit in the trenches, Notre Dame has the advantage. That's that's their advantage. Right. The question is, is their advantage big enough there to negate the advantage Ohio State has on the perimeter? Absolutely. That's the question. And at the quarterback position. Right. Right. You know, which correct for Tyler is an unknown. Tyler could come out and play he he, he could play great and it still may not be enough if the defense can't make stops. Right. So the other the other thing to me when I look at this matchup too, Sean, is I, I think Ohio State's going to be a different team in November than they're going to be on September 3rd. I mean, both are, but Ohio State even more so because they are – their adjustment on defense is going to be much greater than the one Notre Dame's making on defense. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And and the, here's, a, here's the interesting thing. Does Jim Knowles change the, tr- the trend of how he's been at other places? And what I mean by that is Jim Knowles has always been a guy that is, is I'm going to run my defense, right? 
And if you look at his teams, his Duke team actually gave up more points, yards, and yards per play in his first year than the year than the coach before him that got fired. Mm-hmm. Same thing happened at Oklahoma State. Now, by year three and four, he had him humming, right? Yeah. Now, he'll also have better talent than he had at those places. But his teams have taken a step back. And, and so he's got to do something different at Ohio State there because they can't afford to take a step back because they weren't good on defense last year. Right. And so that's the other interesting thing is, but but if he's able to make that change, because again, this isn't so much about the Notre Dame Ohio State matchup, because I fully feel the loser of this game is not. I've heard people say loser of this game is knocked out of the playoff. I don't think that's true at all. No. Nobody's knocked out of the playoff in the first week. If Ohio State goes out and runs a table, beats Penn State, Michigan, and Michigan State, and then whoever from the West and the and, and their only losses at home to Notre Dame at the first game of the year, let me, me remind you all that Ohio State, the last time they won a national championship, lost at home later than the first game of the year by two touchdowns to a seven and six Virginia tech team. And they still made the playoff and and went to the championship and and won it all. Right. Nobody gets knocked out in in September with a loss. Right. Nobody does. Right. And so to me, when I look at it, I think Notre Dame has a much better matchup against Ohio state in the opener than they will have in November. Now, some people may say that they don't, they don't agree with that because in November, Notre Dame will have guys rolling and all that kind of stuff. But I, I just feel like, I just feel like the, the, the element of surprise, I'm talking about playing them at Ohio state. Yeah. It's different on the neutral field. I'm talking about if they played at Ohio state in November, that's, that's just not, I would much rather play September 3rd than give Jim Knowles four, six, eight games to kind of get things going. That's my, right. that's my stance on it. But I do think both of these teams will have a shot if if it's a competitive game. I'm curious to see what the if if it's a competitive game that Notre Dame loses, like Georgia 2017, Notre Dame's gonna come out of that game disappointed and pissed because they think they should win that game. And that I think is gonna springboard them to something bigger. The 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 thing for me, and then Ohio State will have a lot of confidence because they beat you know Notre Dame. The thing that I'm curious about is I don't know how Ohio State views Notre Dame. Like, do they view Notre Dame as this giant, like they're trying to slay? That's how Notre Dame players view Ohio State. It's like they're a great team. We need to beat a great team if we want to take that next step. Does Ohio State view Notre Dame that way? The reason I ask is I think that's important because if they don't think Notre Dame's as good as it is and they and they lose, does that rock their confidence or not? Right. And you know, but if they but if they do view Notre Dame as good and they lose yeah. that game competitively, then I think they'll have a very similar reaction to what Notre Dame would have if they lose a competitive game, which is, uh oh, you woke the sleeping giant. Yeah, that's that's kind of how I how I feel about that. You what know what's you know what's interesting about this game? We can talk scheme, we can talk coaching. We still have to question if the players are any good on that Ohio State defense. But they had back-to-back classes recruiting-wise that the linebacker recruiting wasn't that good. Defensive back recruiting wasn't up to the standard. And some of the guys they got were a little overrated, I thought. A little overrated. So now it's like, okay, here comes Jim Knowles. Okay. He doesn't make not good players good if they're not good. Right, right. I I think that's very fair in the back seven. I think their defensive line has very good talent. I do. I just think it's been underutilized. I think Zach Harrison is talented. I think Jack Sawyer is talented. I I thought Jack Sawyer was overrated in the same way that I think Arch Manning is overrated. I didn't think Jack Sawyer was like the number one player in the country. Like some had him, but he's still really good. Uh, JT, I can't remember how to pronounce his last name, is a really good football player. 
uh, Teron Jackson, I believe, or uh, uh, Teron Vincent comes back this year. I mean, they're going to have talented players up front. It's just they haven't played to their potential. And at linebacker, yeah, freshman, right, right. That's the thing. At linebacker, I don't think their talent level is as good as Ohio State fans think it is. Like we did that position by position breakdown, and literally there are Ohio State fans who genuinely believe that they have an advantage at every single position. Now, that speaks to their own ignorance of Notre Dame, which is fine. It speaks to their own ignorance, period, uh, with all due respect to, to our, our guy Archer, who's who's been good. But it, it also speaks to the fact that they genuinely think that they're just loaded with talent everywhere. And I'm just like, no, you're not. Like, they have good – they have some decent players at corner that could maybe be good. Like, Denzel Burke is not Jeff Okuda. No. You know, Cam Smith is not Jeff Okuda or, or Eli Apple or the guys that they had in 15 when they were, quote, unquote, DBU. They are they are really convincing themselves that some of these dudes are dudes and they just need better coaching. When in reality, there's a reason Jim Jim Knowles tried to bring some of his kids from Oklahoma State over here with them because they're not. They don't have right. that talent level. Right. Just think and, about that. Right. Man, let me. I need to bring some of my Oklahoma State kids over here right. to Columbus. Right. Like, oh yeah. Right. Yes. So I, I agree with you. I think that their I think that their talent level on the back seven is not what it used to be. No. And like you said, they're going to be playing. I, somebody told me the other day. I, I haven't followed it off to you know. It won't matter until you get to fall camp anyway. But talking about CJ Hicks is there's people talking about CJ Hicks going to start a linebacker for him. Start show. linebacker. And I expect I would expect Notre Dame early on. You're the coach, but I would expect Notre Dame early on to have a lot of movement. Oh yeah, pre-snap, a lot of movement pre-snap, yeah. especially like moving tight ends, motioning tight ends, giving them different looks, making right. them you know confuse, trying to confuse a team that's trying to install a new defense. Like it's one thing to do it in practice; it's another thing to go out there and play it when someone's scheming against you, mm-hmm. against your strengths. So. Or against your weaknesses, shall I say? So yeah, it's going to be very interesting. Yeah, very interesting to see. So here's the question that I wanted to kind of get to next, Sean. Beyond Notre Dame and and uh, Ohio State, you look at these other contenders. Part of the reason I'm I'm very in. I think this I think it's going to be a fun year of college football, and the reason I say that is is because. I think that that there's a lot of teams in sending, and I don't think the dominant teams are going to be as dominant this year. I don't really? think Georgia's going to be as dominant. I don't think Alabama's going to be as dominant, meaning they're they're going to be a little closer to they're still the best teams. Mm-hmm. Bama's still the to me uh, if they're not if Bama's not in your top three, then you're you're just you're you're wrong. I mean, that's just there's no other way around it. You know, if George is not in your top four or five, then you're just you're you're just you're incorrect, and you yeah. you have time to to fix that. Yeah, you know, because oh, they lost fifteen guys. Yeah, okay, but this isn't LSU where they just lost fifteen guys and hadn't recruited well enough to replace them all. That yeah. this is like you know they lost three starting defensive linemen. None of them are as good as Jalen Carter. You know what I mean? Like Jalen yeah. Carter was their best defensive player last year when he was on the field. I mean, he was a yeah. dude. They're losing some big time players, and they're going to replace them with other guys that were big time. That's what great programs do. You know. Now, will they be as dominant on defense as they were last year? No. So they're going to be very good. But I expect them to be better on offense this year than they were yeah. last year. Yeah. And so, because, you know, they're going to get some guys back and they've, you know, they got the tight end should be pretty good. And 
you know, so there's no quarterback drama this year like there was last year. It's a Stetson's team. You know, say it, say what you want about that. It's his team. So I, I just feel like there's a lot of really good teams, but I don't see like one of the things we're, we're like, okay, so let's take Alabama, for example, Sean. How do you stack this Alabama team up against 2020 Bama, 2019 LSU, or 28 Clemson, 2018 Clemson? On paper, like what you if they are what you think they're going to be. This Bama team? This Bama team. 2022. I don't know. My only question about this Bama team, I think this Bama defense is going to be absolute. You got uh, in the front seven, sure, yes. Oh, Jordan yes. Battle in the back end as well at safety. Like mm. they're they're going to be, and then they play. You have you remember they played a lot of freshmen on the sure. back end last sure. year. Like sure, they're going to be better, and they're going to get recruits. I think we're believe we. And I've been hearing this for three years, to, though, Sean. This is you know we judge Alabama by the Alabama standard. It's sure. almost unfair. Well, but see that's what we're that's what we're doing in this conversation, right? We're yeah. comparing them to the team the, the the teams that have been the dominant title winners in recent years. Yeah. Right, and that that's what I mean because they're still pretty much all better than almost everyone else. But I ask you this question: Name yeah. me two better bookends that Nick Stevens had than Dallas Turner and and Will Anderson. No, I, front seven, you're not going to get any complaints from me. <laughs> no, 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 no. Look, front seven, you're not getting any complaints from me. Bryce Young, you're not going to get any complaints from me. Here's where I'm coming from, though. We've been hearing for like three years now. Well, this is the year that Bama's secondary is going to be better, and they just haven't necessarily played great. You know, like I, I just like they've had individually great players, but they haven't played great. You know, like Alabama played great against Notre Dame's offense, partly because of how Notre Dame played. But this is that same offense that just got absolutely shredded by Florida in the SEC title game, right? And they're part quarter- of that myth of their secondary playing great is tied directly into the front seven. It really well, is. Well, to a degree, that's, sure. That's why sure. when you see sure. Alabama guys matriculate to the NFL, mm-hmm. they start to have problems because they do a lot of grabbing and holding mm-hmm. and get away with it on the college level because they're playing behind dominant front sevens. Yeah, usually. They literally know, mm-hmm. look, they can count 1, 1,000, 2, 2,000, 3, 2,000. And by that point, right. you know, either it's a sack or the play is over, or a ball mm-hmm. is coming, and they have a chance to make a play on it. I just don't. I agree with you as far as the secondary and how the right. trend has been going down. I just think my only question. I don't have a question about the secondary. The secondary is either going to be better or be at the same level that they've been at, and that's which was which hasn't been great. It hasn't been great, right? My only question is who catches the ball? I know they got but see, but see, that's all part of it. That was the that's where I was gonna go next is yeah. I don't offensively I don't think they're gonna be as good as people think they are either. Now I will say this. Right. I don't know how they're gonna use Bird or Jameer, the transfer from Georgia Tech. Mm-hmm. He's he's a difference maker. I don't know how they're gonna sure. use him. Sure. But that's gonna be interesting. I think who steps up at that left tackle. Is going to be interesting. Because and it's not that. going to be – he's not going to be – this This is my point, right? So, front set, Bama's a top three team. No yeah. question. My point as I'm looking at these teams is none of these teams to me remind me of what Clemson was in 18. 
of what LSU was in 19, in 19 yeah, of yeah. what Bama was in 20. Yeah. That that's where I'm coming from, right? Yeah. And 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 or even what Bama was last year if they were healthy. Yeah. Because Bama last year, here was my thing with Bama last year. Like, and this is why I don't think this year's team is is necessarily going to be better than last year's team. You can say it. I think what they're the national champs if they don't. Get oh yeah, we. I mean, we've said that. Yeah, mm-hmm. if if their receivers don't get hurt, they win a tight. They're back to back champs. There's yeah. no question. But I still don't think this team would be as good. Yeah. If anything, some of those injuries might have helped them this year because some guys got to play. Yeah. But like you can say like okay they're 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 bookends. Well, they had great edge rushers last year as well. You know, they were pretty good at linebacker last year as well. I mean, they've got to replace two starting linebackers from last year. Yeah. They were really good football players. And, and again, I don't love the guys that are, you know, replacing them as far as being better than what they were. And and but they were they're going to be a great front. I mean, their defensive line is going to be I mean, it, to me there's three defensive lines I think have a chance to be better than anybody else as a unit. Now, I think George might have the best defensive lineman in college football, not named Will Anderson, right? Jalen Carter's a monster. Mm-hmm. But I don't think, you know, George's defensive line is not going to be as good as last year. But they're still going to be great, right? There's three yeah. teams to me because you got Nolan Smith who's going to step – I mean, he's just going to step in and become a premier guy. They're going to still be a great team line. There's three other teams that to me that have, a, that have a chance to kind of separate themselves as the best defensive lines of college football. It's Georgia, Bama, Clemson, and Notre Dame, right? Right. And so they're all going to be really good there, right? So then it's just where do you rank them? My concern for Bama is when I'm looking at past Bama teams, and and again, the LSU's, the Clemson from 18, here's what I don't see at Bama. Like, talking to Ryan, he's like, I think Jermaine Burton's going to be really good. Okay, he's a good player. He's good at Georgia last year. He didn't even throw the football. But is he what Ohio State had running around at receiver last year? Is he what – Clemson had in 2018 with T Higgins or T and, and Justin Ross. Is he what, is he what LSU had in 19? Is he what Bama had in 20? I don't see it. I don't think Tyler Harrell is going to be this guy that's going to come in and be Jamison Williams. Yeah. Right. Is Jermaine Burton better than, than Jamison Williams? I don't think so. I don't think is so. Tyler Harrell going to be better than John Mechie? I don't think so. And you say, well, you know, Jameer Gibbs is going to be really good. Yeah, he will. But my thing is, is he necessarily better than what they've always already had there? I don't think so. He's going to add a different element. He's going to be more of a pat- – like, Jameer Gibbs is not a great runner. I mean, he's not. He's a good runner. He's a pretty good runner. What makes him a big-time back is his all-around ability. Yeah. And and he's got some Chiron to that. You know, and he can he can return kicks, but this that's isn't – That's as well. Right. He, that's yeah. what I say. He can return some kicks. Yeah. But he's not like this – it's not like they just added, you know – Derrick Henry Derek to their Henry. backfield, right? <laughs> you know, he, he, I mean, this is a kid that last year ran for 5.2 yards per, per play, 746 yards. He ran for 5.2 the year before that. He didn't play on a great team, but, you know, like he's a good player. He's just not the, if he transferred to Kentucky, no one's talking about him being a first team All American like they are because he went to Bama. Right. He stayed at Georgia Tech. People aren't saying that. No. Right. So, because he's a really good player, but not an elite player. There, t- Cameron Latou is a good tight end. He's not OJ Howard. You know what I mean? Like he's he's not that guy. So when I just look around, Bryce, but I you, think Bryce you know is. A, the, you know what Latou is though? He is Jason Witten. Like mm. you say to yourself, oh, you go watch the Georgia game. You keep saying, how's he mm-hmm. keep getting open? Right. 
Like he keeps because they were trying to cover Jamison Williams and John Mechie. <laughs> but they don't have that this year, though. And, and that's that's right. the thing. And right. and now you know we had a conversation that you know we have a show coming up about it. But this is what makes me feel comfortable seeing how competitive things can turn out right, but seeing how. Bryce competed and still did his job. Mm -hmm. Like he still put balls on the hands of receivers in situations where they didn't make the play. And Mm -hmm. that for me says, okay, we know he's going to lose guys on the outside, but he's still, he's going to do his part. It's going to be up to those other guys to see if they step up and make plays. If they do, the Bama offense is going to be it's going to be pretty formidable. Maybe not, of course, Ruggs, Devontae Smith, that that formidable. But can Bryce Young go out there and put up 30 points a week? 35 points a week? Sure. Yeah. But 30-35 doesn't make him what they've been. I mean, they scored 48 and a half last year. You know, they've, they've been in the 40s most. My thing is they're not going to be as good on the offensive line. They're not going to be as good at receiver. And they're at running back, they're going to be maybe as good. And and the, the thing that's that, – that that I feel like, you know, Bryce Love and, and – or Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, it's a it's who's number one. You know, I think Stroud, you think Love. It's a battle. Bryce Love – Bryce Young's a great player. My concern is is twofold. Here's another thing that we're not talking about enough. I felt like Bill O'Brien rode a lot of Steve Sarkeesian's coattails last year, (laughs) right? Where he had a lot of guys coming back, right? And a lot of his things established Yeah. where if you look at him last year, let's be honest, for the first time in a long time, actually last year, Alabama only scored 39.9 points per game. They were 48.5 the year before. There's a lot of games last year where you're like, Bama's just out talenting people. I'm not loving what Bill O'Brien's doing. And I mean, it was the LSU game. It was the Auburn game. It was the Texas A&M first half where it was just like this guy called some bad games last year where they just were flat better than everybody else. Right. I mean, this is still the same Bama team that barely got to 10 points in regulation against Auburn. Isn't it ironic that his best game, best two games, probably were the SEC championship game and the game against Cincinnati. Like in Cincinnati, it was the, the smartest, yeah, and less sexy play calling yes. game, like dude. But it was also simple because yes. Cincinnati was basically giving them that, Just right? Them I mean, like, yeah. Where whereas, like against Clark Lee the year before, you had to dial some stuff up because right. you know they were Notre Dame. If you go back and look early in the game, they were putting pressure on Mac Jones. He just was able to. They weren't finishing, which is a big thing we've talked about. And it, it just, but yeah, I mean, like the title game. He, he kept trying to run the same offense when those guys went down. He, he uh-huh. didn't know how to adjust. He's not Sark. He's uh-huh. not Lane Kiffin. And then when you combine the fact that you're not going to have the same offensive line you've had, although I do think they're going to have a better offensive line coach this year, you're not going to have the same yeah. rece- the receiver talent. And your running right. back talent is going to be pretty good, but it's always pretty good. Yeah. I just don't think this Bama team is going to be the same juggernaut it has been. And the point is – they may still win it all, right? 
they're good enough to win it all. Because again, we're comparing them to bat pass champions. Right. What I think is going to make this season interesting is I can see some other SEC teams sneaking up on them and knocking them off in a game. I could see them in certain matchups in the post, like last year's playoff, like Michigan and Cincinnati did not have a chance. Like last year was the weakest playoff field that we've had in a while, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. It was a very weak playoff field. Yeah. And, and we all knew what was going to happen when the matchups were set. Like, well, another SEC rematch in the title game, Georgia Bama again. Right. Yeah. I mean, it was, just, it was a weak field and like at least like an 18, you know, Notre Dame had a great defense and some really talented receivers and all that. And, and, and Oklahoma had Kyler Murray, right? Like what was Michigan hanging their hat on? Right. We're going to beat George in the trenches. No. <laughs> Once again, <laughs> styles, right. Names. Like a that's, horrible matchup for them. Hor- that's not the right, yeah, that's not the right matchup. I don't think anybody- they would have been more competitive against Bama. They would have still got blown out, but I think they could have scored, a, you know, it'd have been like 42 to 20, you know what I mean, against Bama for Michigan. I look, man, I saw Burton put up a touchdown. I said, dude, mm-hmm. those wide receivers would have gone. Well, that's what I'm saying. It would have been a blowout. Yeah. It would have been a blowout. Yeah. What I'm saying is Michigan Michigan, Michigan would have been, been able to score on Bama more. Like, yeah. I mean, they just couldn't move the ball on Georgia. Yeah. They would have been able to run okay and make a couple plays where they could have got like 20 on on yeah. that's what I'm saying. It still would have been a blowout, but the, it it would it's it's like I was saying. Like I always felt like, you know, to me, blowouts are it, it, they're worse when you don't score. And that's right? what I said. Forty two to twenty is not a whole lot different than thirty four to eleven. Right, 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 right. It's just like if you lose twenty four to seven, I just have always felt like it looks worse than if you lose thirty seven to twenty. It's yeah. the same point spread. Yeah, or forty seven to thirty. Because when you only score seven, it looks like you you weren't competitive, right? Yeah. It's just perception, you know. I mean, it, it, you're still a blowout loss, but I think that they would have been. It, it might have been like it. Sean, I, I watched the Georgia Michigan game, and after the first series, you're like, "This is going to be ugly." <laughs> you know, like this is going to be ugly. Uh, they have no chance because the two things that got Georgia to or Michigan in the playoff, they were just getting outclassed from the opening snap against right. Georgia. Yeah, the opening snap. And so it just it was, you know, and and still even in even if you go to the title game, we'll say it again. As good as Georgia was last year in fifteen draft picks, if if just one of their receivers isn't hurt for the whole game, if just James one of their two guys hurt, right? Even if or if or if Mechie wasn't as badly hurt in the title game and comes back and plays, and then Jamison goes down, and they right. still have Mechie. If just one of those guys doesn't get hurt, they beat Georgia in the championship game. In my opinion, I mean, because Georgia just, Sean, I said this to you all year. Georgia was not as good as people think that they are. Now, they were a great team. Don't get yeah. me wrong. Yeah. When we say not as good, we're talking about comparing them to past champions. Right. That's what we're talking about. Right. And to me, that's what I think is going to make this year fun. Georgia, Georgia will, Georgia will still be good this year. Yeah. Will they be as good as they were last year or as good as they were maybe in 17? I don't think so. Is Bama still going to be a team that's a title contender? Yeah, duh, right? But are they going to be what they were in 15 or 16 or or even 18 or 20? That's kind of where I'm coming from. Same thing with Ohio State. Ohio State's got, to me, is going to have the best offense in college football this year. 
but yeah. they're not great on defense. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and so like the nineteen team that almost beat Clemson, they were pretty good on offense that year, but they were really good on defense that year too. You that's not this team, and that's really my concern, good, Sean. You know who has some really good skill position players that were young? A collection. Michigan has a collection of nice skill players. Corm is a playmaker. AJ Henning's a playmaker. That that uh, Anthony kid. Andrew Anthony, yeah. And it came up big in the late in the season with yeah. got Cornelius Johnson. Cornelius Johnson. They have some young and they get Ronnie players. Bell back this year, too. Yeah. They have a collection. That's why I said because they're not really traditional, like this is a traditional wide receiver. This is a traditional uh uh was that the all kid at tight end? Eric All. Mm-hmm. He made some good plays. They I just don't know if their quarterback that's the key. They gotta you know, they gotta bite the bullet and go with J.J. McCarthy. They got to go with J.J. Because here's what I'll say about Michigan. I think their defense is going to take a big step back this year. Absolutely. Two reasons. One, they lose really good players. And we always talk about the ends, but losing uh, Dax Hill was a big blow. It's a big blow. Big blow. And then they lose their defensive coordinator, who I thought did a really nice job last year. They're going to have to score to to remain as good as they've been, and they're not going to do that by being game-managing things, right? right? Like, their offensive line was good last year. It wasn't as good as – it It was not the best line of college football. It, no. it, again, if we're talking about standing it up to pass teams, it was good. Well, yeah. Coach, Coach Moore did a nice job, but they don't have great – like they don't have a bunch of future first round picks in my But opinion. you know, they had that overrated performance at the against a uh, oh. subpar Ohio State right. defense. Right. Late in the you know, season that Correct. Made it Correct. And they put up a lot of points even in a loss to Michigan yeah. State, who had a terrible defense as well. Yeah. The Big Ten didn't have a lot of good defenses last year and, and they oh. took advantage of it. So but this year they're gonna have to score. Yeah. To, to be competitive and they've got I, I do agree they have I mean we didn't talk you AJ did you mention AJ Henning yeah he's a kid to bring some to the table uh you know they've got uh, Donovan Edwards at running back as well with yeah, Blake Corum yeah the problem however is again it's the trigger man yeah they have to they have to say we've got to give JJ every chance to win that job yeah have to because that's the only chance because otherwise they're going to beat a lot of teams they just have better players than but when they play good teams like they're not going to do to Ohio State this year what they did to them last year. No, they're not. No, they're not. Just thematically, Jim Knowles isn't going to allow it. You know that team to walk in and just, you know, line up and just run the ball down their throats, but no changes, no blitzes, no run blitzes, nothing to stop things. Because in that game, it was all about stops, right? right. Can you get the stops? If you can get one or two stops. Right. And then go out and score, getting out in front, it'll make a world of difference. That's all Michigan did. Right. They just wanted to get one or two stops against right. Ohio State in that offense. Right. And then get out in front and play to that strength, which was that run game, because they knew Ohio State would struggle being able to stop them. And that's really all the game was, making Ohio State play from behind. Right. Right, and have to stop the run. It wasn't about Michigan being a better team. It was like, okay, this is our chance to win. If we play the game like this. Right. We have, I mean, it's snowing, windy. Their offense really can't do everything they want to do. So this is the best way for us to win. It's not going to work that way. Mm -hmm. They're going to have to go into Ohio State this year, and you're going to have to beat that team. Right. Because they're going to be better in the trenches than they were last year. They might not be. Yeah. Yeah. Especially at the end of the year. Mm -hmm. 
you know, that's the last game of the year. That's, Ohio State's probably going to be humming. Yeah. And, that. you know, there's all this talk about, oh, we're, you know, they're just going to replace and reload. And, and the opener, I'm sorry, Marvin Harrison and Emeka are not going to be in the opener what Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave were. Well, look at the Utah game. Utah was trotting out running backs to play corner. You know what I mean? Like, you know, and it's a bowl game. Bowl mm-hmm. games are different. Having said that, even if they're not that in the opener against Notre Dame, and, and they may be, but even if they're not, I just all I'm saying is we shouldn't assume it, right? But even if they aren't, by by November, our receiving core is going to be nasty mm-hmm. because then the freshmen that they have, Caleb Burton, you know, Keon Gray's, you know, uh, the, the Caleb Brown, the kid from Georgia that's a, that's a really good player, they're gonna they're gonna provide the depth. You know, maybe Julian Fleming finally is able to stay healthy and do something in, in his career. You know what I mean? They're going to have the depth where they're just going to be able to throw waves at you. And I really believe by the end of the year, Ohio State's going to be a much better running team than they were last year as well. Where they could run on teams that they could just overwhelm, but yeah. then they got to the Michigan game and they just got they got embarrassed. Yeah. I mean, you know what I mean? Like they just they – could, they couldn't run at all against at Michigan. All. Yeah. I mean – that's not going to – I don't see them running – like, I don't see them having the performances running the ball against a team like that this year that they had last year where they just couldn't do anything. I, I think – more by November. I mean, we'll see. You know, they got a new line coach and guys playing different positions, but I'm talking about the Michigan matchup. Yeah. But I do I do think Ohio State – is again, it's the same thing for Notre Dame. The thing Notre Dame has to avoid is to not get blown out. And same thing for Ohio State. If they lose – if it's a competitive game, both those teams are in it. I think Ohio State by the end of the year could be one of the more dangerous teams. I really do believe that because I do think that Brian Day took some steps to recognize and address the problem, something Brian Kelly failed to do. Yeah. Recognize and address and try to fix it. We'll see if they work or not. You know, we don't we don't know. Just like we're not sure that the the things Notre Dame is doing, we got to see it. Yeah. I think Georgia to me is 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 going to be interesting, Sean. I I think they're a title contender, but I think they're they're not going to be as good as last year. And I could see them, I could see them end up losing a couple games just because I think their margin for error is going to be a lot thinner this year. Clemson, I don't know about. So I, I feel like Alabama, Ohio State, Notre Dame are all legitimate playoff team contenders. I think Georgia's a contender. Clemson's thing is if Clemson can beat everybody else and just not get blown up by Notre Dame, they're going to have a, an argument to make. Yeah. Their schedules that we can do. So here, here's the interesting one that I have, or two two interesting questions. Number one is, is there anybody in the Pac-12? Because I think you and I both agree that – I think we both think Penn State's going to be better this year. I, right. I think Penn State's going to have a bounce back year. It's not going to be enough to beat Ohio State and win the Big Ten Championship, I don't think. Like, Just mainly because – The game is at Penn State, though. Yeah. No, I said beat Ohio State and win the Big Ten title. Is what I'm saying. Like yeah. Penn State always gives Ohio State a game. Like, always. Michigan has had more blowout victories over Penn State in recent years than Ohio State has. Yeah. Even some of even the COVID year where Penn State was awful to start the season. I mean, yeah. it was a four quarter game. Ohio State yeah. just outclassed them in the end, but it was yeah. a four quarter game. It's just a you know, but to me, just beating Ohio State one week is one thing, but then also then beating everybody else and winning the Big Ten titles a different story. And it comes down to it is can Sean Clifford be that guy? And I just I I don't have faith that he can be that guy. Can they now, overcome their own narrative nationally? Right. 
Correct. Been put on them. Correct. No I day, think so. they could be a lot like they've been in recent years where they were like 10 and three, 11 and two, but they couldn't win the big 10 title. They lose right. Ohio state and then Minnesota and that kind of thing. Right. So I don't, I don't see a team in the big 10. I don't think Michigan state's going to be this as quite as good as they were last year, but even if they're just as good as last year, there's that's still not good enough to be a big 10 champ and the playoff team. Right. So my question is, is there an sec team that you could see sneaking up on the conference and maybe either a one of two things, right? Sean is either a winning the, the league kind of like LSU did 19 uh, or doing enough damage to where, you know, there's no conversation about it. Cause there's like every year there's been a, a conversation of oh, second SEC team should get in. Even this only happened twice so far. Is there a team that could step up and be that? Like, I mean, cause it's what A&M, it's Auburn, it's LSU, it's Florida, it's Tennessee. Is there anybody that could be that? Looks like your answer is no. No. Okay. No. So then the conversation goes to this. Is there a potential Pac-12 or Big 12 winner that could be that team? Because, like, we one SEC team is going to get in. One Big Ten team is going to get in. Then it comes down to a second SEC team, Notre Dame, and then and, and, and the ACC winner, right, which, you know, let's say Clemson. You know, like let's just say Clemson goes 12-1. and one, They lose to Notre Dame. They go 12-1, and one, third in the playoffs. Yeah. Would you agree yeah. with that? Yeah. Okay. So then we get down to – so now it's it's Ohio State, Alabama, and Clemson. Okay, Notre Dame's going to be in the conversation. Let's say they're eleven and one. Clemson's twelve and one, and then a couple other contenders. Maybe Georgia is the number two team of the SEC. But then the question is: Is there a team from the Pac-12 or Big 12 that could sneak up? Let's first talk about the Big 12 because you had a very interesting scenario that you mentioned to me uh, today when we were talking about potential sleeper teams for the college football playoff. Because you you caught me off guard. Like you know, I, we're we're three hours in, Sean, and I I don't get quiet. You got me quiet for a minute today when we were talking, and when you when you brought up um, the, the the Pac-12 team that you think could maybe sneak up on some people. Yeah, look, man, just looking at the schedule, and um, that USC Notre Dame game can could really mean a lot to the national landscape in November, and not because of how great I think USC is, but they really only have two teams. On their schedule, they don't play Oregon until the Pac-12 championship game. And it's either Stanford and Utah. At Utah is going to be a very tough game for them. Very tough game for them. But Mm -hmm. if they win that game, I can see them coming into that Notre Dame game with one loss. And offensively, look, offensively, Mike Williams, Jordan Addison, Taylor, what they're going to be able to score points mm-hmm. because the Pac-12 is really not going to put up too much resistance defensively from anybody. If they beat Notre Dame, Styles make fights. So let's say they play Ohio State in the semifinals. And it's literally quarterback, wide receiver core against. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what it is. 
I mean, they would have a shot. I mean, and that's when you're talking about like an underdog, someone that can go in and have a fighting chance. Do I think they win the championship? No. No, a lot would have to go right. They would have to have the ultimate health mm-hmm. as a team to even get to that point, mm-hmm. meaning they can't lose any of their important players right. for a long stretch of time. Like, Caleb Williams misses a game, it's oh. over. Like, it's done. If one of those receivers goes down, if they lose anybody along the defensive front this year, it's trouble. So that's what you call they would have to have one of those seasons that is just like truly every break would have to go their way. And here's why I can't get on board with you. In 2018, Oklahoma made the playoff with Lincoln Riley. Yeah. They had 2,000 yard receivers in CD Lamb and Mark in Hollywood Brown. With all due respect to Mario Williams and Jordan Addison. Or not CD Young, CD Lamb and Hollywood Brown. They also had two thousand yard running backs in Kennedy Brooks and Kyler Murray. Right, Travis Dye, with all due respect, is not Kennedy Brooks, and Caleb Williams is not Kyler Murray. And that team still went to the postseason and got blitzed by Auburn, Alabama, despite heroic efforts from Kyler Murray. Lost by eleven. It wasn't that competitive. That team still. Barely beat West Virginia, 59 to 56. They lost to Texas in the regular season. We're trailing Texas for a good chunk of that game. And they had some pretty good offensive linemen on that team. 2019, similar deal. You got CD Lamb as your great receiver. You got Charleston Rambo. After CD, not quite as good. But then you had Jalen Hurts rush for 1,000 yards and Kennedy Brooks rush for 1,000 yards. You had pretty good offensive lines both years. And you go to the postseason and you give up 62, 63 points in the playoff, mm-hmm. and it could have been 90. And I'm not saying that jokingly. If LSU wanted to hang 90 on Oklahoma in that game, they could have hung 90 on that on they Oklahoma. They probably could have. I agree. I'm not joking about that. And that and that team also that year lost at Kansas State, beat Iowa State by one, beat TCU by four, beat Baylor in the SEC title game by a touchdown. Lincoln Riley has been beating up on a bad league. Hasn't even been beating up on a bad league. He's been winning the bad league, but he hasn't been beating up. He's lost to Iowa State twice. And, yes, they've got Caleb Williams. And they had Caleb Williams and Mario Williams or in uh, Eddie and uh, Zamario Williams last year and almost lost to Kansas. Yeah. You know, and he's not going to have the defensive players yet. You go Oklahoma, like four guys off their defense last year get drafted. Name me four draft picks off off USC's defense this year. You know what I mean? And so, and he had one of the best offensive line coaches. If you want to talk about any coach that's been able to hang with Harry Heastan the last eight, nine years in regards to producing great lines and producing draft picks, the only guy in the conversation, in my opinion, is Bill Bedenball. Bill Bedenball, yeah. He's not, he didn't fall into USC. No. Right? He took the guy from Texas A&M. So when I look at USC, to me, I don't see, I don't see, the talent beyond five or six guys that Oklahoma had. And the five or six guys is exactly what Oklahoma had. It's just after that, they don't have that. And so to me, I just, I just can't get on board with that. And I, and, 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 you know, I mean, maybe they sneak into the playoff. Cause I actually think a different scenario, Sean, is if they're able to upset Utah on the road, it may be a situation where if other things work out, they don't even have to beat Notre Dame to get into the playoff. 
if they're just competitive for four quarters with Notre Dame, if Notre Dame is a playoff caliber team as well, right? You know, they're now twelve and one because they'll go to the Pac-12 title game and beat Oregon or Utah or whatever. You know, then you can have that conversation. I just have a really hard time saying that, just because I, this is the same guy who had much more established programs at Oklahoma and went into the postseason in eighteen and nineteen and got blasted and then in his fourth and fifth year at us at at, because what was his first year was seven 16 right 16 Mm -hmm. 17 18 19 hold on a second what was what was lincoln riley's first year at oklahoma as the head coach not as the offensive as the offensive coordinator i always get his first year confused because there was a year right there it was 17 16 he was the offensive coordinator so 17 so in 17, they made the playoff. In 18, they made the playoff. In 19, they made the playoff. And they got their their butt whoopings got progressively worse each year, right? Playoff, year yeah. one, overtime against Georgia. The next year, they get lost by 11 in a, in a competitive-ish game, mainly because of number one. Right. And you take Kyler Murray off that team and put any other quarterback in college football on that team, and it's not an 11-point game. Not 11, yeah. Then the next year, without Kyler, they get embarrassed in a way that, like, like Notre Dame's 2012 team was like, wow, you guys got really murdered. You know what I mean? Like it was bad. And, and then their next two teams, again, further away from Bob Stoops, his next two teams only make the playoff. Yeah. And I just, I I don't, now he doesn't get a build off of what Bob Stoops created. Yeah. Now he's got to build from scratch and he's taken over a team of four and eight. I just, I, I could be completely wrong. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I actually, I actually believe wholeheartedly the way we feel like Kelly leaving at the perfect time was the best thing. Mm-hmm. I think ultimately Lincoln Riley leaving might have ended up being the best thing for that Oklahoma program. So that leads to the next one. I don't believe there's a Pac-12 team capable of being a playoff team this year. Mm-hmm. Utah would be the only one, and I don't think they are. Yeah. Big 12 is going to be interesting because, as you mentioned, I think Oklahoma's still going to be pretty good on offense. I mean, Jeff Levy's not exactly a bum, no. right, as an offensive no. coordinator. Bill Bedenball stayed. Marvin Mims is back. They're going to have some talent. They're not going to have the talent they've had in the past, but here's the difference. They don't got to score 45 every week now to win because I think they're going to be a lot better oh. on defense. Oh, a whole lot better. More sounds, more dangerous, more aggressive, more impactful. 
on the offenses they face instead of reacting to what offenses are doing. They'll be more dictating more on defense. Absolutely. And Brent Venables knows Oklahoma. He's been there under Stoops. So mm-hmm. he it's not like he's walking in trying to establish right. his culture. Right. He knows the culture. He came from that culture. Right. So the transition is going to be a little bit. Yeah, he's not learning the fan base. He's not no. learning the a lot. I mean, a lot of the same boosters that forced him out are ones that were bringing him in as the head coach, right? Yeah. I mean, not forced yeah. him out, but, you know, I mean, he, they had to make some changes, and he was one of the guys that got, you know, because the defenses were starting to struggle a little bit. You know, but he's, he knows the Oklahoma culture, Sean, which is perp, which is exactly absolutely right. And he he has been a part of a program. This is something that doesn't get dismiss, discussed enough. Mm-hmm. What has made Dabo so unique compared to all the other coaches not named Nick Saban is Dabo understood how important it was to, yes, we have to score to win a championship, but he never sacrificed defense to make that happen. Right. That's why Dabo has two rings and Leak and Riley has zero. Right? I yep. mean, and 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 I think that that Coach Venables understands you don't have, and this is what I where I think he has a chance to be successful. If he understands and embraces the fact that, hey, you got us, we a lot of defensive coaches, I get nervous, like, you know, they, they want to win every game 20 to 13, right? Yeah. I, it's one of the concerns I have about Marcus Freeman. I want to see that he's not in going to fall into that category. I don't want him to be like Luke Fickle because I think Luke Fickle is too conservative. I mean, I just go point to the game against Alabama in yeah. a game where you should have put, pulled out all the stops. You got conservative mm-hmm. and 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 looked like Brian Kelly in 2020 against Alabama. Right. Right. That concerns me. But I think Dabo, being under Dabo, where he could be a part of a system, say it you have to be able to score because we're going to face some teams we just can't hold the 17. Right. Right. But you can also still emphasize being great recruiting and coaching defense at a high level. And I think that's what Oklahoma has been missing because Oklahoma has been significantly, in my opinion, significantly more talented than their production as a defense. And they've got a lot of highly ranked kids on defense and they just don't make, they just don't play. Cause I don't think it was emphasized. I actually think this could be Oklahoma's best team in a few years. You know, and then Jeff, Jeff Levy followed him, didn't he? Um, No, no. Who's the OC at Oklahoma now? It's Jeff Levy. That's what I thought. Yes. Yeah, 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 he was yeah. at Ole Miss. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you, you're going to have a good offensive line. Offensive, you're going to have a great offensive line coach. Mm-hmm. You're going to have a good offensive coordinator. Now, again, Jeff Levy wasn't the play caller for Ole Miss last year. He was the offensive yeah. coordinator. Lane yeah. Kiffin was the play caller. You're going to have a, a, a solid quarterback in Dylan Gabriel. He's not Caleb Williams. But, again, I go back to the fact that you're not going to have to score 40 plus a game to win in the big 12 right now, right. because I do think the town, I think I'll be one to bet you, if you could get Brendan Brent Venables in a private moment where he's not talking about sucking on a hose and all this other kind of weird stuff that he was saying at the thing the other day. And, and by the way, Oklahoma fans prepare yourself for that. He's going to say a lot of weird things as a head he coach. Is. He's a weird guy, but I think he's a good football coach too. Uh, and his players love him. I mean, that's an important thing too. His kids love him, but I think he's going to be like, dude, we got better players here than I thought we did. Yeah. Like we got some, we got some guys here. This guy can play. That guy can play. And, and I think they have a shot. Here's the other team in the big 12 and, and big 12 fans are probably going to hate us saying this, but I am really curious what Texas is going to be this year mm. because they have a chance in week. Was it week two? They yeah. play Bama. Yeah. 
like they're going to they to me they have the best receiver running back combination in college football right and and Bijan and and uh and uh worthy worthy i always want to say Jarrell worthy um, remember Xavier, the kid from right? michigan state Xavier. Yeah. remember the kid yeah, from yeah. michigan state i always want to say Jarrell. Yeah, yeah 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 um he said say james really date myself then <laughs> uh but you know the offensive line is going to struggle, but it, it should be better because yeah. they're going to be in year two of Kyle Flood. I like Kwiatkowski as a defensive coordinator. I think they're going to get better. And look, you look at Texas last year, they lost a ton of close games. I mean, it's not like they were going out there and getting blown out every week. I mean, they were they were they just were dominating choking Oklahoma. games away. Dominating Oklahoma. And gave that game away. They played well against Oklahoma State. They had a lead for much of the game. Yep, lost by eight. Yeah. Lost by a touchdown against Baylor in a game yeah. they led. Lost by one point to Kansas in a game they should have won. Lost by eight points to West Virginia in a game they should have won. Like, other than Iowa State and Arkansas, they had a chance to win every other game they lost. Now, Which that doesn't automatically mean they're going to right? – What's that? Which quarterback does he choose? I mean, ultimately – Well, I think that one's going to be easy, right? But that's that was the battle they were having all year last year, though. Right. It was like, you know, right. anytime one kid didn't play well, you maybe should play the other kid. You know, now it's you know I, I do think Quinn Ewers is going to be the guy now this year, but what is he going to be? Right? right, I think he's the wild card. Like he is immensely talented, but I think he's a head case. I'm just being honest. I I, I think he's got a bad attitude. I just I, I look at him. I say, boy, this kid's got all the arm talent in the world, but I don't know if he's got any talent up here. Now, does he have Johnny Manziel attitude problems? That's my con- like. That's kind of my concern. Okay. Yes, yes, but he doesn't have the. I mean, Johnny could be stupid and get himself out of trouble because of the Ooh. offense they ran, yeah. and he could run and and. But Stark runs a pro style offense, which means your quarterback can't just play street ball the way Johnny no. did. No, he's got to make his reads, get the ball out, be poised. You're going to get hit, yeah. you know, and, and if Quinn Ewers can be the guy that everybody thought he was, you know, highest ranked quarterback of all time, which is just one of the dumbest things I've ever seen in my entire life. You know, like, like we just forgot Trevor Lawrence was like four years ago. Right. I mean, so dumb, but anyway, if he can just be a good quarterback, that offense is going to be dangerous. Yeah. And I do think Coach Kwiatkowski is going to have them better on defense because they are going into year two. It's yeah. whether or not Steve Sarkeesian has the ability to teach that team how to win. And I really feel the Bama game is going to be a is going to be the is going to be the the terminer of their season. Now I'm not saying they got to beat Bama. I'm not saying they can't. And we're going to learn a lot about the Bama secondary in that first game too, right? But if if Texas can just compete with them. Right where like they did with LSU in 2019. People forget the second toughest game LSU had in the regular season in 2019 was against Texas. Texas, they almost lost. That That was a great game. That was one of the best college football games the last five or six years. I mean, Sam Ellinger was just balling in that game. He just was like he willed that team to, to you know being in that game. And so, like that is the interesting thing for me, Sean. Is can 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 Texas be that team? Between those two teams, and then Oklahoma State's a very intriguing team for me. They got everybody. They got a lot of dudes coming back, back, man. A lot of – now, here's the question. 
I don't think the Oklahoma State offense we saw in the Fiesta Bowl is who they are. I think that was an anomaly game, and it had a lot to do with things Notre Dame was and wasn't doing. But well, if it just throw the ball up on that side of the field and, and not tackling and just not making adjustments and you know all that yeah. kind of stuff, right? Yeah. Now, if I'm wrong, and that was sort of the coming out party to a degree of the Oklahoma State offense, they could be a pretty dangerous team this year too. Yeah. I think Baylor's going to take a big step back, man. They and I, and I love Dave Rand as a coach, but he's, he's still overcoming. Yeah. He's overcoming some. He didn't inherit the great, the deepest roster, and he lost a lot. I mean, a lot of players off last year's team. And and I think they're going to take a step. Now, I'm not saying they're going to be bad, but they're not going to be a they're not going to be going to the Sugar Bowl this year. And if they yeah. do, there's if 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 Baylor is a 10-11 win team this year like they were last year, there's no question on who the coach of the year is. I mean, it's it's him. Yeah. I mean, they lost Abram Smith, who's a thousand running back. They lost a, a the Tyquan Thornton, who was a almost a thousand receiver, ran a four two eight. They lost a ton of dudes off of their defense that were all drafted, by the way. And, you know, so I think they're going to take a step back. But Oklahoma is going to be the interesting one because Oklahoma State, excuse me, will be the interesting one because are they the team? Like they were the biggest Jekyll and Hyde last year on offense because they were bad That's at true. times, but then they would have these weird games where they would just go off. Yeah. You know, like, you know, I mean, 55 on Kansas, I don't count that, but they hung a 63 spot on TCU. You know, like then they go out and do what they did to Notre Dame. Like, can they take that next step? That's an interesting thing. And so there's three teams in the Big 12, but the only two to me that have a chance to maybe be a playoff team are Texas and Oklahoma. Can one of those teams kind of emerge and take that next step? That's going to be very interesting. And I think the Big 12 is going to have a bigger say on the playoff this year than they did last year. Last year was like none of those teams. I mean, Baylor, Oklahoma State, none of those teams deserve to be in the playoff. I mean, if we're being honest, Notre Dame didn't deserve to be in the playoff. Last year was one of those years where there's really only three yeah, you know, three legitimate playoff teams. If Georgia beats Alabama in the SEC title game, there's only three legitimate playoff teams. Yeah. That's it. Notre Dame would have got in, but that, I mean, you're talking about an 11 and one Notre Dame team that had zero wins over top 25 opponents. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I I'm going to lean towards because of they have more depth in the trenches this year. I still think they're young and developing. Texas. Mm-hmm. So right now, I would probably go with Oklahoma State before I go with Texas. Mm-hmm. Just knowing what's coming back in the trenches. And you pointed it out like, no, the direction and the hard decision that Gundy made to say, you know what? We have to go ahead and give some of these scholarships that have been going to some of our offensive right. players to the defensive side of the ball right. and, and start to build that side differently and become a different team. And he's starting to see the fruit of that. And But now it's going to be interesting with, with Brent Venable mm-hmm. and a different mentality at Oklahoma because he was kind of the perfect foil in Bedlam to Oklahoma with his style of play mm-hmm. and the switch he made. But now with Brent Venable and that physical style, now it's like, okay, now I'm not facing you know, someone that I can counter with yes. my style of play. Right. It's a good point. Yeah. It's a good point. It's going to be different. How, be so different. you're basically saying that Brent Venable's style is going to be 
more detrimental to Oklahoma State than anybody yeah, else. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. O- Oklahoma State was kind of – Oklahoma State and David Randa, they both were trying to become that anti-Big 12. Right. Like hard-nosed, defensive right. teams, physical in the trenches, <clears throat> which would I think would have played well. Right. I mean, if Spencer Sanders takes another step like he did last year, getting better as a quarterback – and the skill position players that they do have coming back, they have they have the wherewithal to go out and put up 30 points and be a great defensive team like they were last year. But now facing that Oklahoma team, you know, it's not because last year, even in the Bedlam game, it was a close game, but you could see how Oklahoma State style late in that game took over. And as effective as that Oklahoma offense was for the first two and a half quarters, it got to a certain point where it was almost similar to what we saw in the Fiesta Bowl. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, you can be successful against us early, but we're going to keep pounding on you and we're going to keep playing with you and we're going to tighten up a little bit as the game goes on. And then we're going to see if you can execute at the same level. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. This is like you said, it's going to be a fun football season. It is. It, looking season. at the schedules, I think Oklahoma has the easiest path of the three. Yeah. And yeah. and so they play at Nebraska, which is going to be a tough game. That's going to be a very interesting – I mean, Nebraska almost beat Oklahoma last year in last Norman. Year. Yeah, at Oklahoma. But is, yeah. Is, is, Oklahoma, is Nebraska going to learn to win either? I, I don't know the answer to that. Right. But then they play Texas on a neutral field, as it always is. But then they get Baylor and Oklahoma State at home. And then their other non-conferences, UTEP and Kent State, they also get Kansas State at home. Their road games are TCU, Iowa State, West Virginia, and Texas Tech. I think Iowa State takes a step back this year. And they weren't that good last year. But they lost some really good players off last year's team. And so I think that's a – if they can get past Nebraska and Texas on October 8th, I I see a path for – or even if they lose to Texas but it's a competitive game. They lose one of the, those two games. I, I see a path for them to get to the Big 12 championship game under, uh, without any additional losses, in my opinion. Texas is in a different spot because they play Bama in week two. Right. But after that, the, the their schedule, to me, compared to Oklahoma's, is a lot tougher. Not only do they play Bama compared to at Nebraska, but they got to play Oklahoma in a neutral field. They got to play at Oklahoma State and at Kansas State. And I think that I think Kansas State's going to be a good football team this year, and I really like what Kleiman is doing at Kansas State. But you yeah. get those two teams on the road, plus you got to play Oklahoma's neutral front, and you got to play Bam at home. That's tough. And then Oklahoma State's is really interesting. They they play Arizona State is their tough non conference game, and then their other non conference games are juggernauts against Central Michigan and Arkansas Pine Bluff. But I probably shouldn't make fun of them because Central didn't Central Michigan beat Oklahoma State or almost beat Oklahoma State a few years ago at home. You're right. But then they put but they got to play at Baylor, at TCU, at Kansas State, and at Oklahoma. So to me, looking at the schedule, Oklahoma has a. If they can get past Nebraska, they have a much cleaner path to an eleven, an eleven and one seat, a twelve and one season. And then, of course, you'd have to win a rematch, potentially a rematch in the Big Twelve title. The game is at Nebraska. It's at Nebraska. You know what's going to be interesting? You know, we see kids perform, and you know, other conferences, and they're really good players. I'm I'm interested in seeing Dylan Gabriel in the big time. 
Yeah. Um, I'm interested because it's like, okay, you're good at UCF. Right. But this is right. We different. We're going to release our top five quarterbacks. I was going to release it today, but our show has gone very long. So we may wait till tomorrow to, to release it, but we'll see. Gabriel, I'll give you a sneak peek. He's going to be our number 15 quarterback, but we had a struggle with that one. Mm-hmm. And and a lot of it is because, you know, when you look at him, he put up great numbers in the, in at UCF. I mean, his last year is the full-time starter because he got hurt last year in the third game. Right. right. He threw 32 touchdowns and four picks. The problem is he's got a really – he's not real big, so can he hold up in the Big 12 over the course of a year? Yeah. Especially, as you mentioned, Sean, Big 12 teams are starting to play a little bit more defense now. Mm-hmm. Where it used to just be TCU was the only team to play defense. Now it's oh. Baylor plays – Baylor. I mean, that Baylor-Oklahoma State game was one of the most physical it's games the of the season. Yeah. And and so, you know, both Oklahoma games. State – The regular yes, season game both, and You are correct. Game. You are correct. Both games. And – why did Notre Dame lose to Oklahoma State? Because Oklahoma State physically beat Notre Dame up in the trenches with Notre Dame's offensive line and their defensive line, right? Yeah. And so, uh, when, when I when I look at when I look at sort of the matchup, I'm just is he going to get pounded? Or is he going to be knocked around? Can he hold up over the course of the season? Yeah. The other one is. The AAC is not exactly known for great defenses either. No. And he's got that real long throwing motion, right? Now, he, he gets good zip on it, but he's got that real long throwing motion. That's what got him that pick six against Louisville a couple of years ago. Right. My question is, is you know, I didn't feel super comfortable just having him 15, but that's kind of how the ranking went because there's a there's question marks on everybody else after that, even though I think it's going to be a fun year quarterback. But how do, how do they – you know, how's he going to be in the in the step up in the league? That's, I mean, that's a fair question. Now, you, you look at what he did against, you know, against some of the better defenses that UCF played in recent years, and sometimes he looked really good, and sometimes, honestly, he he didn't look that great, which is you know, kind of going to be the case when you you play against good teams. But you know, I mean, he torched Georgia Tech a couple of years ago, and but then he struggled a little bit against Cincinnati, and he struggled in the in the in the in the blowout loss in the bowl game in twenty twenty to BYU. Right. Right. And, and and so, you know, that was a that was a a, a a bad loss. You look at last year, the Louisville game, he it was the last game he played. He threw that really bad pick at the end of the game. Yeah. And, you know, and he did some some nice things outside of that. But you look at him in his, as a again, this is his freshman year. So you, you got to kind of. But, he you know, against a Marcus Freeman coach defense, he threw three picks uh, against Pitt. It's a pretty good defense in twenty nineteen. Uh, he he completed fifty nine percent of his passes, threw for yards, you know, three hundred thirty yards, but he threw two picks. Right. Tulsa had a pretty good defense, if you remember that year, you know, and and he threw two picks and again. It's a true freshman, but when you when you look at him, he just hasn't played great against the best teams on their schedule. Now, having said that, he's going to have some pretty good players around him, but he also played on offenses where they were normally the more talented team at right. UCF. Right. So that's a good point, Sean. Is 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 he going to be able to step into that and? and run that offense effectively and can can a running game emerge because here's the for the first time in in several years really since baker was the quarterback in my opinion they're not going to have a quarterback that can go out there and make a lot of plays with his legs they had that in caleb williams they had that in jalen hurts and kyler murray now to varying degrees caleb williams was not like kyler and jalen but caleb could hurt you with his legs if you know what i mean he's going to run for three four hundred yards a year right Dylan Gabriel is not that guy, yeah, nor so do you want him to be that guy. guy either, Who's that? 
Spencer Rattler really wasn't that guy. Either. Yeah, but he struggled. The right. offense wasn't as good with him. That's a good point. Right, that's right. a good point. That's a good point. Spencer wasn't that guy either, and that's why he had a hard time, you know, when things would break down. He couldn't get off script and make plays. Spencer was, if everything's going right, I'm going to, you know. And that's a great point, Sean. Spencer Rattler wasn't that guy either, and the offense sputtered. And he eventually got beat out by Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams, yeah. So that's the other question is, now, again, different offense. But you look at Jeff Levy's offense last year, they were at their best when they were running the football, and Matt Corral was a big part of that running game. Right. Can they run the ball without him? That's going to be a question. So Do they want to, yeah. like you said, with him having, you know, being a small, being yeah. able to hold up. Do you want to expose him like that? No. In the Big 12? No. Probably not. No. And that's going to make it very interesting. So I I think the Big 12 is going to be a really interesting battle this year. Mm-hmm. I do. I think it's going to be a fun league to watch. I, I I know I'm in the I know I'm in the minority here. You know, probably with a lot of uh, in a lot of instances. But I think the Pac-12 is actually going to be a fun league to watch this year a little bit too. Because uh, just maybe it's maybe it's fun from a we're going to learn a lot, yeah. right? I mean. Does does can Caleb DeBoer get Washington back on track? You know, what's Dan Landing going to do at Oregon? Can Kyle Whittingham build on last year's success? What's Lincoln Riley going to do at USC? Can Chip Kelly take the next step? Uh, you know, can Jed Fish get Arizona going? Because, dude, they recruited pretty well off of a one and eleven season. What if he gets them to a six and six bowl game? What's he going to do recruiting the West Coast then? Right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, Jonathan Smith has done some really nice things at Oregon State. Can he take them? I think it's going to be fun if you're if, but you got to be a diehard. I mean, it's it's not going to be pretty football all the time, but it's going to be a lot of fun storylines. Like, but those that we yeah. talked about this what a couple of weeks ago, those two or three teams that you didn't know that you would end up watching mm-hmm. during this season, and all of a sudden you find yourself watching them each and every week, right? Because they're entertaining. Because you say that you always find a couple teams a year where you're like, oh, yeah. okay, this team is. I'm gonna I'm gonna watch them again next week. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There's a couple like that in the Pac-12. And the Big 12, I think, is the Big 12 is going to be one of the more entertaining leagues because there isn't a great – there is no Bama in the Big 12. There's no Ohio State in the Big 12. There's no Clemson in the Big 12. But it's going to be a really good top-to-bottom league with each other, meaning the gap between Team 1 and Team 7 isn't as great as it is in the other leagues. Yeah which is going to make it fun. But can one of those teams emerge and not get the upset bug like has happened in recent years yeah. and be a playoff team? That's going to be interesting. And and will that team be more prepared to be successful than past Big 12 playoff teams? Which there's only been one, right? Yeah. Hasn't Oklahoma been the only Big 12 team to make the playoff? Yes, I believe TCU so. should have made it the first year, in my they opinion. Have. But And, you know, you talked about Texas. Their defense consultant is Gary Patterson. Yeah, it's a good point. It's a good point. So, good you point. know, you talk about their defense being able to play better. And, you know, he's faced off against Alabama before yeah. defensively. So, yeah, it's going to be some fun games. There's going to be some yeah. fun matchups this year. It is.
Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.